Hey everyone, Um, I'm taking the summer off of new podcast episodes. Um, This summer I am teaching a research reading seminar class at George Mason. Uh, It's an online master's class for practicing health and physical educators as a part of our 100% online master's program. So this summer I'm going to launch episodes that I assign in that class. And as a part of the class, um, we definitely read a lot of research articles, but then I mix in some of the podcasts. So I let the experts talk about their research that have uh, published in previous episodes. So these are all episodes that have launched previously. So maybe you've heard them before, but I know there's a lot of content and people miss podcasts all the time based on various reasons. Um, and these are all really good podcasts. I hope you enjoy them. Um, I will be back in mid-August with an awesome podcast about the state of physical education, teacher education in the U.S. with a recent paper that was published by Dr. Phil Ward. So um, these are going to be launching every uh, few days for the next couple months. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Risto here with George Mason University. Uh, We're talking to Dr. Julia Sargent today. She's at the Institute of Educational Technology at the Open University in the UK. Uh, Julie is an avid lover of selfies, as I learned at the ASAP conference in Scotland, and uh, just an all-around great person. Uh, So here we go with a new episode of Playing with Research in Health and Physical Education. Now, the article we're highlighting today is titled Flipped Learning, Pedagogy and Digital Technology, Establishing Consistent Practice to Optimize Lesson Time. Uh, It was published in 2019, so just a few months ago, in the European Physical Education Review. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, It's great to be invited onto this podcast and to get to speak about a little bit more about my own research. Um, I'd also, while we're here, like to acknowledge my my co-author, Ashley Casey from Loughborough University, uh, who was also heavily involved in writing this paper with me. So hello to everyone who is listening, uh, wherever in the world you might be. Awesome. So this paper just uh, published is about flipped learning. Um, and this strategy has gained a lot of traction with uh, some ed- educators as it really maximizes the hands-on learning time um, and could have a huge impact on what we can cover in PE. Uh, so for those of us who are not familiar with what flipped learning or sometimes people use the word flipped classroom is, can you explain that to us? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so flipped learning is uh, a pedagogical approach that has been growing in popularity, uh, particularly in higher education. Um, it's an approach where the notion of classroom-based learning is essentially inverted, um, and it tends to redirect attention in the classroom from the teacher uh, and onto the learner. Um, and in the paper, we talk about um, sort of two main learning phases. The first phase is the pre-class phase, where students are set um, a type of homework by the teacher. So this might be to watch a video um, and respond to some questions, or to read a research paper, um, or even a podcast, for example. Um, The student completes this work in their own time, perhaps at home um, or on their commute. Um, And the second phase um, occurs in the classroom itself, where student-centered activities are designed and facilitated by the teacher. So this might include peer discussion um, or quizzes, for example. Um, And one of the many affordances of flipped learning is that it allows material to be explored outside of classroom time and develop students' 
initial understanding uh, and knowledge comprehension. So in-class in time is dedicated towards developing um, and deepening students' learning. Um, and digital technologies such as videos, um, apps for designing quizzes such as Kahoot, uh, and platforms such as virtual learning environments or, or VLEs uh, are commonly used to deliver flipped content. Um, they can also enable teachers to collect student responses um, and have queries or answers. Yeah, and I think that the, this is covered in a lot of different uh, subject matter. I think I've seen it a lot in, in university settings, but I think this could be huge in physical education settings to actually get really deep into that content, especially in places where there's time limits on how many minutes that you, you can actually do. Um, so now that we know a little bit about what flipped learning is, uh, what was the goal of this paper? What did you, what did you want to find out? Yeah, so our, our intention with this paper was to increase understanding of what flipped learning is um, and also how it can be applied in a PE context. Um, for me, this is particularly important as there is a real sort of sparsity in knowledge regarding how and why teachers use flipped learning um, and, and in conjunction with digital technology as well. Um, it's a topic that has been scarcely examined in PE and sport pedagogy research. So we wanted to find out how it's being used um, and for what reasons in order to consider uh, not only the benefits for teachers and students, but, but also the role of digital technology um, in that learning process. And in your study, you had two PE teachers and you chose them because they self-identified as users of digital technology. Now, who are Patrick and Dylan? I'm, I'm assuming not Dylan Landy. <laughs> no, not Dylan Landy. Hi, hi, Dylan, if you're listening. Um, yeah, these were these were two teachers that I worked with during my PhD study, um, working in secondary schools in the UK. Uh, They're both really enthusiastic and great people to work with, who were passionate about digital technology um, and teaching in PE. Now, you used uh, a case study approach and conducted themed interviews. Uh, you went to the school and visited the schools. Uh, you did a document analysis to get the full picture of how flipped learning and digital technology was being used. Um, one of the main things you uncovered was the method of how flipped learning is being used. Can you share that with us? Yeah. Um, so, so for these teachers, um, flipped learning was, was used in a way that um, was used consistently in their practice. Um, and it was established as a real routine for their students. Um, so this consistency um, and routine was really important because students became familiar with the approach and it meant that they, they saw the use of technology within flip learning um, really as a learning tool and, and not as a gimmick. Um, so for example, uh, both teachers created um, flip learning mats, which were essentially um, guidance worksheets for students to complete whilst they were w watching, say, a video um, or reading a paper, for example. and they used a variety of technologies um, such as Twitter to support students' discussions, um, Google Forms to design quizzes um, and to give assessment, um, and actually to deliver the flip content. Um, they also created um, videos for students to watch um, and, and, and view this flip content. Um, and they also showed this, for example, in, in changing rooms um, on TV screens or on iPads to actually demonstrate the skill or, or talk through the lesson objectives. There were some great examples in that section that you were covering now uh, of how flipped learning was used 
that could be quick to attempt by practitioners in MPE contexts. Now, the second question is why was flipped learning used? Can you share on that? Yeah, so for these teachers, um, they gave sort of two main reasons. Um, the first one, because it allowed them to optimize their lesson time, uh, and two, to support their examination PE students. Um, so the use of technology um, in conjunction with flipped learning, it enabled the teachers to use their classroom time more efficiently um, and effectively for physical activity because students had gained some of the basic knowledge um, in their home-based learning tasks. So using time effectively was particularly important given the limited curriculum time that you mentioned that's often allocated towards PE um, and the need for students to be physically active in their lesson time. Um, this approach was used to support their examination PE students uh, because they felt it supported and supplemented their learning. Uh, it developed their own assessment of and feedback regarding students' work. Um, and it also allowed the teachers to provide um, more student-centered practices. Um, a particular example I think that stands out to me is, is providing screencasts um, of the teacher marking the student's exam script, uh, providing verbal feedback so that not only the feedback is personalized for the, sh for the learner, but also they could review this feedback um, at their own pace um, and in their own time. All right, so one of the terms you used in there was examination PE, and I'm not sure that everybody, I know in the U.S., we don't use that term. So can you explain what exam PE is or what type of students they are? Yeah, so um, a typical um, program of how it would work in UK schools is we have um, years seven, eight, and nine, which is essentially we'd have three years of, of what we call um, core PE, which is national um, curriculum uh, governed PE but then in years 10 and 11 um, students can opt to take what we call GCSE um, or some schools will do um, a BTEC program which is essentially um, a curriculum with with some optional um, subjects and at the end you the students will have an examination uh, and an endpoint qualification that they, they can then use for further study. Right and I think in the US um, because it's different by from state by state, you know, you might go into certain states and have um, a ninth and tenth grade PE requirement. Like where I where I'm at now, we have a ninth and tenth grade PE requirement. Then students could choose to do advanced PE, but that advanced PE is so all over the board. I've seen really good educational programs, and then I've seen you know basically a roll out the ball to an advanced degree. Hey pick out a basketball and just go play basketball. And it's a bunch of athletes in the class. Um, so it's kind of all over the board. So why, why in the UK, why would a student opt to do an exam PE or one of these two programs that you talked about? I think, I think there are loads of different reasons. I mean, if I think about my own um, reasons, it was because I really enjoyed PE. Um, I wanted to, you know, with a thought of teaching it in the future, um, but then for some, for some, for some students, it's, it's not necessarily a PE teaching route, um, but it might be to support them in that, having that qualification for further study in, in aspects such as um, sport and fitness, um, coaching, um, physiotherapy, for example. So, it, so it's a qualification that would help them 
um, for a route forward into sport and fitness um, or PE occupation. Yeah, thanks for that. And I think I think it's important to understand because if you go to Ireland or Sweden or the UK or Australia, New Zealand, and you know the US, there's there's so many different contexts of PE that you know we're doing research on similar topics, but how PE is viewed is so different or the structure of it's so different. But all right, so let's go move into the discussion. The rationale Patrick and uh, Dylan gave for their use of flipped learning and digital technology was that it allowed them to A, optimize students' lesson time, uh, and B, support their examination PE students. They also said that they felt that flipped learning helped students enhance their knowledge outside of school so they can be more active and effective inside of school. Um, Now, I know that one of the issues here will be that kids don't want homework. Uh, It's going to be a struggle for many teachers to overcome that barrier. So how did these two teachers do it? What were some of the keys to their success here? Yeah, I think that links back to when I was talking about how the approach was actually used. So the the approach was successful, so flip learning was successful when it became part of that routine of the classroom, um, just as homework is um, in many other subject areas such as English or maths, well it is in the UK. Um, when it was used consistently, it became the norm, so it was adopted by students, it, it became part of their classroom routine. Um, It was also successful when the content and and the resultant student learning um, fed forward into the next lesson. So students could see that continuation for their learning um, and also having the effects of of more time for physical activity. Um, Other successes um, from the teacher's perspective were pre-planning to ensure that there was diversity in the content, um, to ensure that students were also motivated and uh, lots of trial and error to find strategies that suited you know, their context, their, their styles for teaching, and also the learner. Now, what's the take-home message here, and what are the next steps in, in this research? So the take-home message um, in this paper is that if teachers can use flipped learning and digital technology in a consistent and routine way, then it may be able to help optimize the lesson time and, and provide stu- um, support for their students' learning. Um, It also provides um, a little bit of a framework for structuring the use of digital technology in PE. Uh, Taking this research further, um, I'd love to work with other physical educators to see how they are using flipped learning in different contexts, especially as we've highlighted the differences, for example, in examination PE. Um, Given that I'm now working in a higher education um, institution and at a university that delivers courses online and at a distance. Um, I'd like to work more with students to understand their opinions of the approach um, and the ways that it could facilitate teaching and learning for PE in the future. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you for your time. We really appreciate uh, the work, the interesting uh, concept of flipped learning. I think it it could be really useful in physical education settings. Um, Can you let people know where they can find more information on the current work you're doing or your social media and stuff like that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, My handle is um, at Julia underscore Sargent. Uh, Or you can also keep up to date with my work through my university profile page where you can find my my email, etc. 
Um, I'd love to have a chat um, about my current or future work, so please do send me a message. It'd be great to uh, get in contact. Great. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we're going to link to the article, put all your um, uh, information there, so anybody that wants to reach out can just look at the podcast notes. And that's all we have for you on this one. Thanks for listening.